listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. And I'm Rachel. We have trivia today. I love trivia. I do too. Trivia is so fun. It's yeah. just than I am. Sometimes. Okay. I don't you, know. I like to know things. Yeah. <laughs> you might be better at it than Aaron today because I feel like yeah. the topic we're covering, maybe something that a hymn nerd is predisposed uh-huh. to mm, feel more true. Maybe but there's on. also times when people expect me to know stuff about things and I just really don't. <laughs> I, I might declare that I start getting a handicap <laughs> as we're answering today's questions and be like, Sarah I guess, has to I sit get, on her hands for hands, five seconds. Exactly. But we'll see. So we'll see. Today is a is a is the first of a two part trivia series, which is even more exciting because this topic is so big <laughs> that Rachel said, can we split this? To which we said, absolutely. Yes, because more trivia is more fun. So today, Rachel. What are you quizzing us about? We are going to be talking about the church year. Mm. Because happy new year, you guys. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. Question one. Why did I just wish you happy new year at the end of November? Because it's Advent. Advent. I get it just as quickly (laughs) as Sarah. (laughs) I love this already. (laughs) (laughs) It is the... Beginning of a new church year, the first Sunday in Advent. I can't remember whether this is dropping right before or right after. But either way, this is our new year. This is the beginning, mm. though, when we go back to the back to the start of everything. And by start of everything, we mean waiting for Jesus. So mm. I thought this would be a great time, an opportunity to sort of look forward to all the joys that we're going to experience throughout the coming 12 months in our liturgical calendar mm-hmm. and it's this something is dropping the friday before advent one so okay technically it's not quite advent yet when this drops but that's okay that's happy just new thing. year's <laughs> eve eve mm, <laughs> there, we, there go. we go there we go we fixed it <laughs> happy new year's eve eve because <laughs> just two days from now we will be celebrating the beginning of our new church year and i think you will find as we go through this that you know more about this than you think you do simply because we live it every Mm -hmm. year. Even churches that are, you know, more on the contemporary end of things, there are certain elements of the liturgical calendar that are going to show up. Mm -hmm. And like I said, you may find that you know more than you think you do just by living it over and over and over again. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't refresh our knowledge and understand a little bit more of the details, the intricacies of why we do what we do and the history of it. So we're going to look at some of that today. And as you mentioned, I got partway through this and I realized, well, the church here is a really big topic. Mm. (laughs) So maybe we can divide it up into a natural breaking point and we'll see what that is when we get to it. Oh, so yes, this is Advent or almost Advent. And we'll start with question number two, the the real number one, I guess. No, the other one is one. It's number two. Number two. That first one as one, right? (laughs) All right, all right, all right. Erin wants her point. (laughs) (laughs) Question number two: True or false? Advent is a new thing. False. See, I already answered. I already answered. (laughs) I second guess myself, and then I don't know. (laughs) It is. I'm going to say true. It's false. Advent is not a new thing. Yeah. The thing is, 
just as happened, I think, within my lifetime, where a whole bunch of evangelical churches discovered Lent. Um, mm-hmm. Advent is having a comeback, you guys. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. as we are looking for ways to make the season less (laughs) consumeristic and more spiritual, Advent is kind of having a moment. Like there's lots of new books coming out and it's just cool. Advent is cool. And I I didn't used to be, Mm. at at least in my, (laughs) the way I saw it. But it is, despite the fact that it is now having a moment, it is not a new thing. So according to Wikipedia, and I will admit, I had a really busy week and my research doesn't go a whole lot deeper than Wikipedia on a lot of these questions, but you can learn a lot from that, right? I donated to Wikipedia. (laughs) I was like, I love Wikipedia. I get a lot of useful knowledge from Wikipedia. So, And in this case, I learned that we don't know exactly when the period of preparation for Christmas that we now call Advent got its start. But it was certainly in existence from the late 5th century. Hmm. And we start seeing it show up in church councils like mid-6th century. Hmm. So even though we can't say exactly when it started being a thing, we know that it's been a thing for like 1,500 years. That's not very new, I guess. No, not very new. (laughs) All right. We're on a roll with these true or false questions. 50% chance of getting them right, I guess. True or false? Advent is a time to party. False. True? False. <laughs> I think I'm going to go with false also on this one. Shoot. I didn't say Yeah, it. you're right. It, it. <laughs> we obviously, nowadays, our Decembers, at least my December, is completely full of opportunities for indulgence. Oh, it's true. Because Christmas sort of bleeds over. You've got your family Christmas. And your church Christmas, and you might have your other side of the family Christmas, and your step family Christmas, your and then you've Christmas. got mm-hmm. your work Christmas, choir Christmas, choir bike Christmas, party Christmas, Christmas, tuba Christmas. What other Christmas it. parties do we have? <laughs> yeah. Boar's Head festivals, Christmas concerts, school parties, uh, Sunday school pageants, homeschool co-op Christmas parties. Yeah, there's so much. There's so much Christmas to get Mm -hmm. in. We can't possibly fit it in all on Christmas Day. And heaven forbid we celebrate during the 12 days of Christmas (laughs) because we're on vacation then, right? So as a result, Advent has basically become morphed into this season of perpetual cookie eating. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. But that's not how it used to be. And in some parts of the Christian world, that still isn't how it is. It's a time of penitence, a period of fasting. Some people call it little Lent, a time of expectant Mm -hmm. waiting and preparation. Mm -hmm. And so there are some churches that still go meatless in advent mm-hmm. now i i guess you could go meatless and just eat extra cookies but i suppose that wouldn't be mm-hmm. in keeping with the season spirit. cookies don't have meat in them so <laughs> they don't. that's the letter yes the so i'm not obviously advocating this idea of burning all the cookies and but it is sending, saying no to every Christmas party invitation, but to remember that it's okay to want to take some time. It's okay to maybe say no to one or two of those Christmas party 
invitations and just say, you know, I want to stay home. I want to eat a simple meal. I want to reflect on what's coming, which is the incarnation of Jesus. And that's cool. All right. Yeah. So speaking of the incarnation of Jesus, Advent, question four, Advent means arrival or coming. I'll give you that much. What are the three Advents of Christ that we look for during this holy season? Two are kind of obvious. The other, maybe less so. His birth. Uh-huh. His second coming. Uh-huh. But what's that third one? I'm giving you a five-second countdown. <laughs> <laughs> it's in one of our hymns. What is it? Oh, shoot. The Advent of our God. 354? Is that where I'm going? Nope, it's not that one. Give me the hymn and then let me see if I can come up with it. I'm, I'm finding Tell it. Tell me the hymn. Well, there's a verse in From Heaven Above to Earth I Come. Oh, yeah, that's one that mentions there's a, it. Oh, there's an Advent hymn that has all three comings in it. And Oh, oh. he came to. Now I'm flipping through my hymnal, too. <laughs> 33. Oh, no. Oh, I think it's 333. Yeah, that's where okay, I was what, too. Which, but I don't once know he, the numbers. Once he came in blessing. Once he came in blessing. Uh, soon. So he feeds us. I I guess it has to be according to this. Communion. Oh, well, yes. That's the actually Lord's very Supper. close. Yes. Mm, not quite, though. I can tell. No, I mean, absolutely. That's it. That's not Sarah's answer, though. I mean, it is. It's part of the. It's part of the. the so here, I'll sing the the hymn verse I mean, that came to mind when I was thinking of this. Coming to us now, ah, dearest Jesus, holy child, make thee a bed soft, undefiled within our hearts that they may be. Oh, that's a different version. <laughs> within my heart that it may be a quiet chamber kept for. <laughs> so yes the three advents of christ his incarnation in bethlehem his second coming but here and now he comes to us in faith through the yeah. lord's supper and through wow. his word so yeah so we celebrate that as well through the means of grace yes yes communion is part of it it's the big picture yeah Mm. Yeah. Okay. I don't usually think about that one. Interesting. Most people don't. It's kind of with Advent. Intriguing. Okay. Yeah. Because nice. the other two are so far removed from us. Mm -hmm. I and mean, really I kind of hope good. the second coming mm -hmm. isn't that far removed from us. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but this idea of of Jesus coming to us, you know, every day, every week, in the means yeah. of grace. Yeah. That's a beautiful and very imminent understanding of mm -hmm. Advent. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk next, sort of segue. We're still in Advent, but I want to talk about Advent calendars. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I'm ready for Which this. I both love and hate. Same. <laughs> okay. But here is the pressing question for the moment. What is wrong with Advent calendars? Like, actually inaccurate. Is the numbering system off? Yeah. How? Uh, does it end on the wrong day? Hmm? Starts on the wrong go. day? All the ones that I've seen start on December 1 and go until Christmas. Like they finish yeah. on Christmas. So they're 25 Oh, Advent 25 ends on days. Advent ends before Christmas Day though. Yes, Advent ends on Christmas Eve and there are some calendars that stop at December 24th, but they all start on December 1st. Yep, they do. Does Which Advent is start on December 1st like ever? No, rarely. December rarely. 3rd this year. 
Yeah. Hmm. Like every once in a while, it starts on December 1st. Hmm. Yeah. Gotcha. So Advent is marked by the four Sundays before Christmas, and that changes every year. But Advent calendars don't seem to care about this. As far as they're concerned, Advent starts on December 1st every year, Mm -hmm. and it it just bothers me. (laughs) Thank you for giving me a chance to rant about this. I mean, there are other (laughs) things to not love about Advent calendars. They were developed in the 19th century. They're a relatively new innovation and sort of have been born out of and contributed to the hyper-materialism consumerism of Christmas and the erosion, ironically, erosion of Advent. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's very much like you can just count down and have something that you like every day of December and it has nothing to do with Jesus. My Grammy made an Advent calendar that I have inherited it's made of felt and it has little pockets and in each little pocket, there's a different symbol, sort of like the, it's maybe was inspired by the whole Chrismon because oh, yeah. they're basically like little tiny Chrismon felt things. And then there's a little tiny little prayer that goes with it. See, that's a, little, a cool one. Yeah. I like that. You can do them yeah. very well and you can also do them very poorly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just had a really cool idea of one that I want to make now of every little pocket has a different piece of the nativity that you just kind of start setting up your nativity throughout Advent. I'm sure somebody else has thought of that already, Uh but now I want that one. Still. (laughs) So I'm not saying. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not saying it can't be done well, but the way we usually do it. I mean, the cheap ones are chocolate. The expensive ones are liquor. Wine, cheese. I mean, you name it. I've seen some obscene versions of the Advent calendar. So there's there's several yeah. problematic challenges with it, but my main gripe is the dating thing. It's just wrong. <laughs> like literally, there is something wrong with the Advent calendar. <laughs> <laughs> and now everyone who loves yeah. Advent calendars are going to yeah. at you. <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I, this is not the most controversial thing I've ever said. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> uh, no, I love them. I've got a whole stack of them in my garage that were left over from some sub base event last year and my kids are planning to pass them out to all their friends as soon as advent comes so there you go apparently i'm not a huge foe (laughs) all right so we have advent and then christmas here's an easy one what comes after christmas epiphany she's still drinking Uh, (laughs) point to aaron epiphany Now, obviously, on the church calendar, Christmas comes first. Mm. In the grand history of things, which came first, Christmas or Epiphany? Epiphany! Yes. It was the major feast. Epiphany? Epiphany and Easter were like the two major feast days of the church year until people Mm -hmm. were like, oh, maybe we should have Christmas. Oh, that we celebrated. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought you meant like actual timeline. I'm like, wait, how does that work? Okay, Jesus I, appears I see what the you're Gentiles saying. before so he's we born. started uh, celebrating Epiphany before yeah. we started celebrating Christmas. Yeah. yeah. Huh. That's come up in an episode somewhere. One it of the, probably um, has. With the episodes. Yeah. So the Feast of Epiphany is also called the Feast of Theophany. Yeah. It's a very early feast and predate the celebration of Christmas. Now, mm. of course, the early church definitely included Christmas in their celebration of Epiphany. But just this idea of the Lord has come. The Lord is here. The Lord has been revealed to us. Like it was all bundled up together in one great big church party. Yeah. That 
the nativity, the visitation by the Magi, the baptism of Christ and the wedding of Cana could all be celebrated on the same day. Why not? Yeah. And the Orthodox still do that, too. Mm -hmm. Their Christmas celebration is very, very different. Christmas Epiphany celebration is very different than how we do it still. Mm -hmm. And I I think it it sort of helps us. For me, it helps to, to remember this, to say that despite what that movie, what was it, Talladega Nights, Ricky Bobby said about little baby Jesus. The point of Jesus is not that he was a baby. The point of Jesus is that he's here at all. Mm. Yep. Yeah. You know, and that that is a marvelous reality through and through. So mm-hmm. anyway, I thought that was interesting. Okay. Question eight. This one is the stumper of the day. Oh, no. I'm ready. <laughs> when does Epiphany end? Candlemas. When is that? I wouldn't have guessed that. February so. 2nd. Are what? you sure? Yes. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I am going to go instead <laughs> with the Monday before, no, the Tuesday, the Tuesday before Ash Wednesday. That's Actually, when yeah. I vote That's for Epiphany ending. I mean, you're. You're partly you're partly correct. The question is, when is that? Like, we have to give an actual date. Okay, so the answer is it's complicated. So ah! we'll, we'll actually we'll turn around to this. I do have an answer, an actual answer. We will put a pin in it though, while we talk about mm-hmm. lectionaries and huh. alternate versions of the church calendar. Oh, oh boy, this is where people are going to get mad. Uh. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. We can handle this because it is what it is. So a lectionary, for those who don't know, is a prescribed set of scripture readings and prayers for every Sunday and feast day in the church year. Mm -hmm. And there are two different lectionaries in use in Lutheran churches today. Mainly, I'm sure there are some churches that do their own thing. But primarily, we have the three-year lectionary and we have the one-year lectionary. Both Mm -hmm. fine lectionaries full of Great yep. scriptures. You get the whole, you know, message of Jesus and the church and all the rest. Okay, so let's dig into these lectionaries a little bit. Which lectionary did Martin Luther use? I guess. And you're you're saying by this question that he used one of those. He did. He used either the one year or the three year. One year. I it think it's older because it's older than the three years. Yes, it right? is older by a yeah. lot. It is. Yep. The lectionary yeah. that Martin Luther would have used is the one year lectionary. All right. Following up on that. So if the three-year lectionary is more recent, Mm -hmm. question 10, when and how and by whom was the three-year lectionary developed? The Catholics after Vatican II. John (laughs) Paul. I don't know. It wasn't wasn't John Paul. It was slightly before John Paul Mm -hmm. II. Might have been. Mm -hmm. Do you know who was the Pope and the Vatican II Council? Anyway, Mm -hmm. it was the, it was this, it was Vatican II, 1969. Okay. When so all the feels, fun stuff happened in the church. That's, yeah, in the 1960s. Yeah. So it took a few years for us to catch on. Mm. The first debut of the three-year lectionary among Lutherans in North America was 1973 mm-hmm. with the publication of a volume called Contemporary Worship Sick. Oh, boy. Wow. I'm yeah. sure people loved that. <laughs> The lectionary caveat right here, and I don't think I'm going to give anything away. I think it was maybe last year that I that it hit me that TLH is a one year lectionary hymnal because Mm -hmm. the three year lectionary didn't exist in TLH. So like 
Yeah. We all grew up. Well, I shouldn't say we. That's an overgeneralization. I grew up in the one-year lectionary. No. Had no idea until no. like last year L-W. when it hit me. Yeah. Yeah. True. And <laughs> yeah. So like I was like, oh, no wonder I don't recognize some of this stuff because I literally didn't grow up with right. it because it right. didn't exist in the hymnal that I used. I don't know why I never realized that until yeah. a year ago. <laughs> The, so the lectionary was later included in Lutheran Book of Worship and yep. re, a re, revised version in Lutheran worship. And we've sort of had both both lectionaries going simultaneously ever since. More mm-hmm. churches use the newer three-year lectionary than use the one-year lectionary, Yeah, which is really interesting, especially since so few people actually know that there are two lectionaries and what the differences are. Yeah, it isn't. That is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. So benefits to the three-year lectionary, you get three times as many scripture passages to to cover and preach on. So mm-hmm. that's a yay. And you mm-hmm. get to be more like other liturgical Christian churches. So a lot of other churches that use lectionaries, obviously the Roman Catholics, but also the Anglicans and, and various mm-hmm. other, other churches, most of them have switched over to the three-year lectionary. And so, you know, if you want to be like the other guys and have this common ground, then that's a benefit. Benefits to the one-year lectionary, you get a lot more repetition. Mm. You get the same readings year after year after year. So that's a yay. Mm. True. Some people might consider that. Get more and more familiar with them. Yeah. And you get to be more like historical Christian churches, you know, like the TLH churches or Martin Luther. Mm -hmm. (laughs) My husband actually loves the one-year lectionary. He says, I get to read Martin Luther's sermons on the same text that I'm covering Mm, and that's that cool. a huge benefit. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And of course, we do not prescribe one over the other that churches and pastors are generally free to make their own decisions about which to use or whether to use one at all. There are, however, some cons to using two lectionaries at once. The calendars don't always line up. No, they don't. Mm. For example, we've got what we affectionately refer to as Good Shepherd Sunday. Mm-hmm. They both occur during the Easter Sunday, Easter season in the lectionary, the readings where you get, I am the Good Shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. But if I recall correctly, they are one week apart, depending on which mm. lectionary you use. Yep. This means, of course, that if you play your cards right, as I think I did one year, you get to sing the Good Shepherd hymns two Sundays uh, in a row. Yeah, yeah that's nice. Definite As you're win. talking, I just figured out the answer to your Lent question or your. Uh, oh, you figured <laughs> out part of the answer. Okay, <laughs> so we'll go back to our stumper of a question. All right, and I'm going to actually. Well, Sarah, tell me your answer. It ends at Transfiguration, but Transfiguration huh. is on two different Sundays, depending on what lectionary you're in, because one year lectionary has pre-Lent and three year does not. So it ends at different times. Okay. So that's part of it, <laughs> but it's tied to Easter. Right. Because the end of Epiphany corresponds to the beginning of Lent and the beginning of Lent corresponds to Easter Sunday. And Easter is a movable feast. Isn't mm-hmm. it fun? Right. Liturgy math. <laughs> yes. Its date is computed based on a lunisolar calendar, solar year plus moon phase, that is similar but not identical to the Hebrew calendar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the first council of Nicaea established two rules about the establishment of Easter. Namely, it needed to be independent from the Hebrew calendar, and it had to be uniform worldwide. Mm-hmm. And then over the next several centuries, they worked out how they were actually going to solve this problem of where, when do we schedule Easter. 
So it has now come to be celebrated on the first Sunday after the ecclesiastical full moon that occurs on or soonest after the 21st of March. Okay. Okay. The the vernal equinox? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So to find the end of Epiphany, you have to take the first Sunday after the vernal equinox, then subtract (laughs) 40 days to find Ash Wednesday. The Sunday before (laughs) that marks the last Sunday in Epiphany. Unless you follow the one-year lectionary, in which case you subtract three more Sundays to leave room for Gesematide. Gesematide! It's like the best part of the one-year lectionary. (laughs) Okay, so what on earth is Gesematide? (laughs) It's the Sundays with all the cool names. (laughs) The Lent leading up to Lent. Yeah, I feel like that's... Aaron, do you have an answer for Gesematide? He's mumbling over here. <laughs> I do not. I feel like it's just they've got weird. They do have weird. Do you feel like I'm just like making up words at this point? Because I feel a little bit that way. Why do we need this time? <laughs> I don't. I Yeah, it's overdoing it. I love it. I love when things are a little extra in the church here. <laughs> okay, there's actually a really great article that I will link to in the show notes that was published by our friends at First Lutheran LCMS in downtown Boston. Wonderful yes, congregation. That's a great church. And they had, they used the one-year lectionary. And so they had to explain, what is a gizma? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll quote a few lines from this article. Okay. One of the most distinctive features of the historic lectionary, it's another name for the one-year lectionary, is the three Sundays immediately prior to Lent. These Sundays are not part of the Epiphany season, and neither are they part of Lent, which begins on Ash Wednesday. Gesematide consists of the three Sundays immediately prior to Lent. As it turns out, Gesematide is one of the most fascinating seasons in the liturgical calendar. It marks the point in the liturgical year at which we turn from the time of Christmas to the time of Easter. So we start looking forward to Easter. This article goes on to say Gesematide is a gentle preparation for the rigors of the Lenten journey. This preparation of pre-Lent to get the most out of the Lenten fast, one must not dive in head first, but enter into it having first physically and spiritually prepared. So that's Gesignotide. It is getting ready for Lent. Uh It's like taking the steps down into the pool instead of like dive bombing into the pool. Which is normally (laughs) how I've done it, I'll be honest. Like straight from Shrove Tuesday... Mardi Gras, we've talked about this. We'll link to that episode in the show notes. Oh, hey. Into Lent the next day while you're still hungover from all the punchkeys. Mm. Mm. Punch but if you, want, if you want the gentle descent, that's gesematide. <laughs> okay. Okay. Question 10. I think this one probably had better be for Sarah. Mm. Can you so name the Sundays in gesematide and tell me what their names mean? Oh, no. Rogan Tide. Septuagesma. <laughs> All right, that's one. That's 70 days before Easter. Uh-huh. Sextagesma is 60 days. Fiftagesma. Fiftagesma. <laughs> <laughs> 50 days. There is a 50. Why can't I think of the name of it? It's the best one. It is the best. Quintagesma. It is Quinquagesma. 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 It's my favorite one. I'm so sad I couldn't remember. Quinqua. (laughs) 
Now, you might point out that there's a problem with this. You're right. It's septuagesima, sexagesima, and quinquagesima. And it means literally 70th, 60th, 50th. It's a countdown, you guys. It is a countdown. Countdown to Easter. But you're probably asking yourself, but there's more than seven days in a week. Or no, there's not more than seven days in a week. How do we go from 70 to 60 to 50? All right. Yeah. So about that. Septuagesima Sunday is so-called because it falls within 70 days, but more than 60 days, et cetera. Mm. It's, you know, I've never thought about that, Matt. Yeah, I, I have. It had bothered me, but it's sort of like a, a range of dates. That's true. That doesn't actually make mathematical sense. Uh, okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So whether or not you celebrate the gesmas, whether or not you have pre-Lent gesmatide in your church, epiphany always ends with the same gospel reading. Can you remember what it is? The transfiguration, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So it's either in Matthew or Mark, but after six days, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them and his face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as light. This Mm. is how we end Epiphany. With yep. the ultimate revelation of Christ's divine glory and the beginning of his descent from the mountaintop down to the cross. <sighs> yes. It's good stuff. And then we have Lent. Mm. And I'm actually going to skip Lent here because we covered the season pretty yeah, thoroughly in the previous yeah. trivia challenge. S- yeah. Several episodes yep. on Lent. <laughs> Love Lent. Also, this episode may end up being here long before we get through it, even though we are cutting it off. <laughs> oh no okay so after lent comes holy week and easter Mm. hallelujah good stuff and easter of course is easter easter vigil go to easter vigil guys this is your like six month warning (laughs) six month warning it's It's coming vigil is coming (laughs) so easter is easter unless you're an orthodox christian oh yeah so question 12 what name do the orthodox give for the Feast of the Resurrection, and why do they not celebrate it at the same time as Western Christians? Paschal Tide. I just made it up. Pasca. Right. You're close. <laughs> do you know what Pasca means? Paschal. Okay. Yeah. What does Paschal mean? <laughs> Sacrificial. I feel like no. I should know this. I didn't intend to stop you with this one, but <laughs> it comes from. The Hebrew Pesach, meaning Passover. Oh, right. Passover. That makes mm. sense. Okay. So Duh. when we talk about Jesus, our Paschal <laughs> lamb, yeah, it's our, our Passover, Passover lamb. lamb. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So the Orthodox Easter mm-hmm. is well calculated as in the West as the first Sunday after the full moon that falls on or after March 21st, which is nominally the day of the vernal equinox. But Orthodox calculations are based on the Julian calendar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it doesn't always line up. And we use the Gregorian calendar. Now, why wouldn't Orthodox Christians use the Gregorian calendar? They're against Gregory. <laughs> Actually, you're right. Yeah. Greg- yeah. Gregory is a Roman Catholic it's pope. Old division. <laughs> so, yeah, the, the Gregorian calendar that we use and which pretty much the whole world uses, because colonialism was a thing, Mm. was introduced in 1582, which was well after 
the great yeah. schism that divided Eastern and Western churches in 1054. So Luther yeah. followed the older version. We aren't celebrating as Luther did. Probably. Yeah. He didn't have a Gregorian calendar. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Whoa. So for a liturgical <laughs> feast. is exploding right now. Yeah. Orthodox <laughs> Christians use the Julian calendar, mm. which is much older, devised by Julius Caesar in 46 mm. BC. Mm. So neutral territory. <laughs> yeah. So they're very similar. The principal change was spacing leap years differently. But mm -hmm. it does but it does make a little difference the way it goes. Okay. After Easter, of course, we have Easter. And I'm really grateful for this because one day could not possibly contain a year's worth of resurrection joy. Nope. So can you mm -hmm. tell me how many Sundays make up the Easter season or what my favorite Easter hymn calls this joyful Easter tide? How many Sundays are in this joyful Easter tide? Five. Is it five? I'm going with five. Well, it's y yes. Math is hard, guys. <laughs> Actually, there's a really easy way to remember this one. Well, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter. Yeah. Which is seven weeks it's seven weeks the way to remember it <laughs> is we have a week of sundays right oh. so if you imagine that oh, easter okay. is one okay. week long but each oh. of those days is a sunday so it's seven and then we move oh. on to the eighth okay. day okay it's really cool wow oh. so ascension is still in easter yes it is Oh. Wait, spoilers. I may have a question about that later. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yes, Ascension is in the Easter Easter season. Mm -hmm. So in the three-year lectionary, these Sundays have pretty straightforward names. We call them the second Sunday of Easter, third Sunday of Easter, fourth Sunday of Easter, etc., Mm -hmm. In the one-year cycle, however, these have some of the coolest names in the entire church year. Better than Gesematite. Sorry, Sarah. That's okay. With Quinkle names drawn from the Latin first line of the antiphon for the introit for the day. Yes. Oh, wow. Which is weird, but also really awesome. All right. I love it. So here's an expert-level question. Oh, boy. Besides Easter, obviously, there are six Sundays in the yep. Easter season. I'm going to blank Can you name at least three of the one-year lectionary's awesome names for Sundays and Easter? And bonus <sighs> points if you know what the name means. I'm going to mix these up with Advent because I do that all the time because the Advent Sundays have fun names too. Uh, they do. Up. They do, but still Easter's better for my like, money. Rorate Chaley is Advent, right? Oh, yes. That's Advent. Jubilate? That's an Easter that's one. one. Yep. Jubilate. Oh, man. Exultate. No, but good guess. Cantate. Okay. Cantate is another. That's two. That one means singing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Jubilate means joy. Do they all end in ate? No. Mm. Oh, man. I know these. Stumping me. <sighs> I don't know that I'm going to pull any more out of my brain on a Friday afternoon. <laughs> hey, that's fine. Two out of six is not bad because these are bonus level hard. Okay, so Easter 2 is Quasimodogenity. Right! I love that one because it's Quasimodo. Right. Yeah. So in The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Quasimodo the Hunchback gets his name because this is when he is discovered as a as a baby. Well, wait, wait, wait. One of them is Good Shepherd Sunday. So there's that one too. Okay. That's Misericordia. 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 Oh, I knew she'd get it. 
<laughs> I'm sitting here going, Sarah, why aren't you remembering Misericordius Domini? All right. Yeah. Because it's Friday afternoon and I'm tired. <laughs> Easter 2, Quasimodo Genity, which comes yes. from the antiphon in from 1 Peter chapter 2 as newborn babes. Crave pure spiritual milk. Yes. Hallelujah. Yes. Hmm. Easter 3, Misericordius Domini. And when Wait, I first. What does Quasimodo mean? It- so, which in the same way as like born, so I so assume Genity like is newborn. the newborn Quasimodo but in the same way as it's a very oh. bland <laughs> translation. Yeah. Okay, okay, there, keep it's going. like literally the translation of the first couple of words. Okay, the intro okay, carry on, carry on. Okay, so Easter three, Misericordius mm-hmm. Domini. When I first heard this word, I was like, we can't ha- be miserable in Easter, this name is terrible. Mm-hmm. But misericordious domini means the steadfast love of the Lord. Yeah, that is pretty good. And we've got Psalm 33. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord, which goodness there is steadfast love in other translations. So that's beautiful. And this is, of course, the one year lectionary version of Good Shepherd Sunday. Yes. Easter four, Jubilate, rejoice. (laughs) Psalm 66, make a joyful shout to God all the earth. Psalm for that day. Uh, Easter 5, Sarah's favorite, cantate, cantate, which literally means singy, from Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Yes. Easter 6, rogate. Rogate. Yes. I which, said that at some point in this episode. <laughs> but not for this question. <laughs> <laughs> Rogate and rorate are the ones that I get mixed up all the time. Uh, yes. So rogate means to pray or to ask. Yes. Oh. Rogation, bringing our rogations. Yeah. Yes. That's the one that I'm like, what does this even mean? <laughs> and I can't quite see the connection to the Psalm verse, but I definitely see a connection to the gospel mm. where Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Mm. Ask and you will receive. This is like the low, the low, the lowest one. I don't remember. I put all these in my in my misericordia stony episode. That's why I got to ease into Lent, (sighs) and now I got to ease out of Easter. (laughs) Yeah, uh huh. Gently into the. (laughs) Yep. You really don't want to turn a big ship like the church too fast. (laughs) And then finally, Easter seven, exaudi, which means here. From Psalm 27, hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Yeah. So I told you spoilers. Just question 14. Just before the end of the Easter season, we have one more ancient festival of the church. Which is it? Yeah, that's that's Ascension. Ascension. Yes. This is the day. It always falls on a Thursday, which is super inconvenient for scheduling Worship now services work at the international center. That is one definite perk. I hope HR makes the most of that. Sometimes my birthday falls on Ascension, and that's fun. Oh, that is fun. My birthday sometimes falls on Yom Kippur, which is less fun <laughs> for me. That's a different church. Yeah, here. I know. <laughs> so at Ascension, of course, we celebrate Christ being taken up into heaven after His resurrection to sit at Father's right hand. And this feast also is very, very old. Eusebius mm. seems to hint at the celebration of it in the 4th century. Right. And at the beginning of the 5th century, Augustine of Hippo says that it is of apostolic origin and speaks of it a way, in a way that shows that it was the universal observance of the Catholic Church long before his time. Mm. Wow. Okay. 
So yeah, Ascension is also older than Christmas. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that would have been a big deal for the early church, though. Like, they watched him go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This is not something you want to forget. Right. Mm-hmm. So, and that is where we will break for today. Mm, cliffhanger. <gasps> yes. I had intended to cover the entire church year in one episode, but turned out to be too <laughs> ambitious. That would have been like a two-hour episode. <laughs> yeah. This is, this so was a good next time. time we will look at what is called the time of the church or yes. ordinary time. Or now, though, I have one more true or false question. Oh, man. I'm bad at through true and false. <laughs> true or false. Scripture mandates that we observe all these dates and feasts and fasts. Of the liturgical calendar. False. False. Yeah. <laughs> While it is true that in the Old Testament, God did establish a long list of feasts mm-hmm. and fasts true. and Sabbaths and new moons and harvest festivals and days of atonement and remembrance and all the rest, and he did command his people to keep them, the situation for us is not analogous. Those That's feasts pointed mm-hmm. to Christ as their fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And the writer of Hebrews identifies Christ as both our Sabbath rest and our great high priest, one that is both before and above the Levitical priesthood in the Old Testament. Mm. So thus, Paul is able to declare in Colossians, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or, and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Always important to remember when we're talking about stuff like this. And again, Paul says in Romans 14, one person esteems one day as better than another, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. The one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. The one who eats, eats in honor of the Lord, since he gives thanks to God, while the one who abstains, abstains in honor of the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives to himself and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord. And if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord. So, yeah, not everybody celebrates quasi-motogenity or even has heard the word. (laughs) And yet, for my part, I am increasingly, as Paul says, fully convinced in my own mind that the liturgical calendar is a gift and a good thing for us. Because we are rhythmic people, day and night, winter and summer. We are naturally drawn to cycles of fasting and, for my part at least, especially feasting. (laughs) (laughs) And the liturgical calendar gives us a whole list of God holiday that we can follow. And if we don't celebrate according to the liturgical calendar, we tend to fill out our calendars with other holidays of our own Mm -hmm. devising. Mm -hmm. So think for a moment before we close, about the world's liturgical calendar, or at least America's liturgical calendar. <laughs> the major feasts. Election day. <clears throat> we Super start Bowl with... <laughs> so, oh, yeah. <laughs> that is a high feast day. Yep. We start with New Year's Eve, drinking and partying. Yep. New Year's yep. Day, hangover. <laughs> President's Day, furniture and car sales. <laughs> Martin Luther King Day, sleep in. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl Sunday, Drinking and partying. Yep. Valentine's Day, either date night or resent your single state night. Mm. St. Patrick's Day, corned beef and cabbage and green beer. Lots of beer. Arbor Day, traditionally plant a tree. Nowadays, we celebrate it by feeling guilty about the environment. (laughs) Cinco de Mayo, 
tacos and beer. Yes. Mother's Day. Father's Day. Mm-hmm. The 4th of July. Hot dogs. Fireworks. More beer. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I kind of like the church calendar better. And mm-hmm. I'm glad that it offers us a better way to think about how our year is parsed out. One that is focused around the saving work of Jesus Christ and the story of his bride, the church. And I wish we paid even more attention to our church calendar and even less attention to the world calendar. Mm. I guess that's my final thought for today. (laughs) Hopefully not too controversial to say more Jesus, less world, but maybe it is. I mean, yes, that's a great idea. (laughs) (laughs) We can learn a thing or two from our brothers and sisters in other denominations who put a lot more emphasis on all of these feast days and the fasting Mm. seasons than we do, because I think... Sometimes we gloss over things Mm. in our daily lives that have to do with the church. And maybe we don't put like a law amount of emphasis on them, but having more of a practice of remembering these things Mm -hmm. is not a bad idea. No. So is there any, obviously we've talked previously about what are our favorite feasts of the church year, but is there any day that you'll be paying more attention to than previously? Well, given, I don't, I know that we've said it before, but I'm going to try and remember it this time. The whole, the whole epiphany is a more ancient celebration in the church Mm. than Advent and Christmas makes me feel like I ought to give a bit more focus to that time as opposed to, honestly, I usually see it as more as this is the time between Christmas and Lent. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and don't pay as much of um, as much attention to its significance in and of itself. So, yeah, that's Epiphany true. is a big deal. And I think we we like we're still on our Christmas season, mm-hmm. the glow of the Christmas season. And we just kind of like it's like, oh, hey, Epiphany's here. Awesome. But like Epiphany is a big deal. Yeah. 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 And we normally think of it as. That's us. Yeah. 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 Epiphany is the day you take your Christmas tree down, right? Mm -hmm. Actually, no. We do that on Candle Mass. (laughs) 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 Depends on if you have a live tree or an artificial tree, I'm sure. We have a live tree and it stays Mm -hmm. up till February 2nd. (laughs) (laughs) I did. uh, One year I kept my Christmas tree up till Lent. And it was a massive raging fire hazard by the time I took it down. But I was pregnant at the time, so I gave myself some grace. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, we keep it watered and make sure that it's not a massive fire hazard. Otherwise, we will take it down. But well done. I did not do that as I should have. <laughs> but, you know, you live and learn. <laughs> but yes, Epiphany is, I, I feel like that Epiphany and Ascension both are days that yeah. I think of as lesser feasts or yeah. things that are in between, I mean, Ascension is just a thing we do right before Pentecost, mm. but it is worthy of my full attention. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So anyway, thank you for playing today. You guys did great. Thank you. Between Aaron on the true false questions and Sarah on oh. the into the weeds liturgical questions, you guys did awesome. <laughs> I am terrible at true false. <laughs> this is when anxious Sarah comes out and I second guess everything I know. <laughs> Aaron's calm decisiveness is uh, definitely a (laughs) boon to her in those cases. So I guess it only remains to finish the way we started. 
and once again wish you Happy New Year. Happy New Year! Happy New Year. I love it. Ladies, we want to know how you did on the quiz, if any of these stumped you or if you loved the one-year lectionary names of Sundays as much as I do. We would love to know that in our Facebook group. And we'll post some of these questions on our Instagram as well so you can answer them there and show your liturgical nerdery. On our Instagram page, join us at Lutheran Ladies Lounge on Instagram and, of course, in our Facebook group, the Lutheran Ladies Lounge. You can find all of our podcasts at kfuo.org slash Lutheran Ladies Lounge or on your favorite podcasting app or on the KFUO Radio app. You can also sign up for our e-newsletter by sending us an email, lutheranladies at kfuo.org. You're listening to the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast. I'm Sarah. I'm Erin. And I'm Rachel. And I also stumped you at least once, which feels really good. You did. (laughs) Queen Quagesima. Queen Quagesima. (laughs) Sounds like a superhero that nobody likes. It does. <gasps> a superhero for every Sunday of the Advent pre That's pretty <laughs> Somebody anymore. out there make it happen. Yes. Yeah. A little graphic novel. Views and opinions expressed on the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO Radio, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. The Lutheran Ladies Lounge is produced by KFUO Radio and available at kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button and leave a review for us, too. If you love the Lutheran Ladies Lounge podcast, consider financially supporting our producer, KFUO Radio, so we can keep doing what we do. Find out how at kfuo.org slash give.